0: So King David's gonna be who we look at this morning for our example on what it is to worship and to desire the Lord and to enter his presence. Um, Psalm 27, verses four through six. I've asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple, for he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Amen. So right right out of the gate, we've got to talk about our desires. Before we can get to worship, we have to talk about our heart's desire. Um, We see in this verse that, man, David's only desire. He says, I desire one thing. This is simple, guys. It's not easy. It's simple. I desire one thing, and it's to be with you. My heart cries out, can I just be with you? No matter what else is going on, can I be with you in your presence? And um, what the Lord started to show me this week as we were preparing for this is our desire is directly connected to our worship. Did y'all hear that? Our desire is directly connected to our worship. What we desire, we worship. What we desire most, we worship. What we worship is what we desire most. It's all connected. So right off the bat, we're just going to deal with this, this idea of desire. Um, and that part of the equation is automatic. That's what makes this a little bit more easy to understand is if we get our desires right, the worshiping correctly part happens automatically. But if our, if our heart is filled with desires that aren't God, then we worship the wrong things automatically too. So it's a two-edged sword, like we got to get our desires right. Um, Basically what David's saying here is, man, the one thing I can't live without, Lord, is you. And so we all have to get to that place in our hearts and our lives where it's, Lord, all I need is you. The only thing I can't live without is you. And that's not, How we often, I don't, that's hard for me to live my life that way. There's a lot of stuff that gets in the way of that, a lot of stuff. Um, So if we get our desires right, our worship is automatically right. So I want to spend some time talking about worship. Um, You probably have all heard this, but we're all worshipers. Do do we all understand that? Not everybody in this room, not just Christians, but every human being is a worshiper. God created us to worship. Nothing we can do about it. So it's never really a question of if you're worshiping. It's, it's what you're worshiping. And Scripture is really clear on this. I was searching for a gentler way to say this, but I just didn't find it. I'm really sorry. I don't, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but the Scripture is really clear with this idea of worship. There are things that you and I consider worship that God does not. There are things that we would say, hey, God, we're worshiping you with this, and it counts for nothing. And so right off the bat, we're going to talk about vain worship and how to avoid it. (laughs) Um, Vain worship is assigning a value or a worth to things, people, or ideas that is reserved for God alone see this throughout the scripture when we get our desires off the Lord and onto other things it's hard for us to truly worship it's been a problem since the garden right like that was the main deal right um Adam got his eyes off the Lord Eve got her eyes off the Lord and their their one desire became knowledge or to 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 know and we all know where that led um and the next thing I want to talk about, this is a little bit more of a subtle way that we do this, and I think the people in this room specifically we've got to be a little careful of because it's just tricky. So another way we worship in vain is by giving an outward expression of worship that isn't tied to a heart that truly values or desires him. It's more subtle, and as believers we have to be careful because we have a built-in time where we come and worship the Lord. We we come on Sunday and we raise our hands and we sing and all that stuff, we have to be careful that our heart is right. or It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Um, so I want to I read Matt, Matthew 15, 8 through 9. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. That scares the mess out of me and like a holy, like, I don't want to do that kind of way. Because what that means for me, worship leader, What that means for me is it's very possible for me to come in here on a Sunday morning, sing my guts out, raise my hands like ugly cry with snot and all the stuff, and it not count for anything. I want to be careful of that. What we're talking about today is more about what you do the rest of the week. Sunday's an overflow guys and while what we do on Sunday morning is absolutely it's so important and I would never try to shift your belief on that it's like Jake referenced this last week it's like a tiny little bit of what we're called to do as it relates to worship and being in relationship with the Lord so how do we get our heart in it what's true worship Real quick, John 4.23, but the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So I, with just talking with the Lord about this, this this week, he gave me this phrase of like, I want people to worship me with their head and their heart. That's probably not a foreign idea to us, but like, what does that actually mean? And he showed me some stuff, Um, Biblical worship engages both your head and your heart. And what I mean by that, and this is important y'all, you have to believe the right things about God before you can worship him. We have to have a sound doctrine before we can worship him. We have to think correctly about his character. And we have to allow that knowledge to stir our affection for him in our hearts. I think a lot of times we get those backwards And we try to have a hard experience without knowing the Lord. And so I would encourage you guys, like, open your Bible every once in a while and see what he has to say. See what he has to say. Because if we're thinking wrong about God, the emotions that are stirred in our heart by that don't lead to worshiping him. They don't lead to him being our one desire like David. If we believe God is an angry God, how are we going to worship him? If we believe he doesn't care about us, or that he, didn't, that he didn't make us or put us on this planet with a purpose, how are we truly going to worship him? How is he going to be our one desire if he's not good? So I want to encourage you guys to really, with this, this idea of worship, you have to be in the word. You have to look at what he says and who he is and what he does. And Crystal's going to expand on that. Um, she's going to talk about elevating our desires for the Lord. And I'm really excited about what she's going to say.
1: Yeah, so, okay, we're going to start with Psalm 37, 3, and 4, and then we'll throw it back to kind of our anchor verse in 27. But this is David writing again, and he says, Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. So David's talking again. There's that, that word desire again. He will give you your heart's desire I feel like growing up in the church, that could be something that was a phrase that could be manipulated sometimes. Of like, well, you love God, and you serve him. You delight in him. So, I mean, you're going to get what you want. You're going to get your heart's desire. But if we go back to 27, what was David's one desire? It was to dwell in the house of the Lord, to, to be in his presence, to gaze upon his beauty. His desire was for God. And that's why he's saying, take delight in the Lord. He'll give you your heart's desire. There is never, we will never, ever, ever long for God and come to him and say, God, I want to know you more, and him say, no. He faithfully comes through every time. Like This is what stirs me and makes me emotional. It's amazing to me, it's amazing to me how every time I come to him and I say, God, I really, I feel stuck. I wanna know you more intimately. I wanna understand what your word is saying. You're telling me to be in your word so that I can know you, but when I open it, it looks like holographics, like I, I'm not understanding, I wanna, I wanna know you. And if it's by your word and by your spirit, then God help me. He makes the word come alive. That's one thing that Alex got saved when he was like 19. And I grew up in the church. And I always believed in the Lord. That's part of my testimony. And I've always loved him. But there's this thing that the Lord's been doing as I've grown up and become an adult where he's just been peeling back all of the layers and I'm finding him and discovering him afresh and anew. But, and I'll even give the example of John Piper. I heard him teach a sermon, honestly even about a year and a half ago and it cut me to the quick because his main point was, God is most glorified in me, when I am most satisfied in Him, and it pierced me to the core. Because I just was like, wow, this is talking about desire. Like, There's other things that I sit and I worry about, and other things that I consume my time with, and other things that, and none of these things are bad, but I have more of a hunger for them than I do for you. And I hate that. It exposed all my darkness. (laughs) It's like, oh Lord. So my prayer changed from that moment on, like this daily crying out of like, oh God, I want to be satisfied in you. Like help me where I'm not satisfied in you. And it's been amazing how he's met that. He's faithful to do that. He will stir our affection and our desires for him when a heart filled with humility comes and postures itself before him and says, I want to know you more. There's this uh, sermon that C.S. Lewis taught a long time ago called The Weight of Glory. It's a really <laughs> incredible thing to read. Um, but I want to share this, this one little piece from it that just, once again, it, it like cut me to the core. He says, If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what's meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. I mean, it's just slapped me right across the face. It's like, wow, there's so many other things that I'm fooling about with. Other things that I have given place to that should be reserved for you alone. And coming and repenting and saying, God, help me make this right. Help me, I want to put you back on the throne and the amazing thing is, is, what Lewis is saying here is, elevate your desires, elevate your appetite. He said that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Those vices or those things that hold your attention better than him, you got it wrong. And it's the sweet invitation of like, let me show you that I'm better than Let me show you that I am worth being king on the throne in your heart. I'm better than that. And that's just, that's been that journey that he's taken me on. That is just like, wow, Lord, I thought that I knew you, but you're far better and far sweeter and far more glorious than I ever gave you credit for. It's just amazing how when we come to him, He's an infinite God. He's huge. (laughs) There's no, he's the beginning and the end. We can't fit him in a box. We can't figure him out. There's no formula to this thing. But what he says is, come with your desire to know me. You ask and you will receive. You're hungry. I will never turn you away. I will show you that I'm the bread of life. And he does it. And it's pretty incredible. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: That's great thanks babe Um, everybody let's take a collective deep breath (laughs) I know we dove right into that but here's why like we have to deal with this desire thing before we can talk about being in the presence of the Lord so we're gonna transition into talking about the presence of the Lord now and so dealing with all these things that crystals talking about is how we get to experience living in the presence so I'm kind of laughing at myself because my next point on here is understanding the presence of the Lord. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> so I want to be very clear. This is not an exhaustive like, look at the how we get to the presence of the Lord. But, I mean, my knowledge of it is incomplete. And I would just encourage you guys to get in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a lot going on in regards to the presence of the Lord I wanted to break two things out here for us so we can understand what David's experiencing a little bit more. There's two types of the Lord's presence that I see in Scripture. and There might be more. Again, not exhaustive umbrella of mercy. Um, His omnipresence and His manifest presence. And those are two very different things. His omnipresence is God everywhere, always in His fullness. Meaning He's here, He's there. He's back there. He's, every bit of him is in the universe that is in this room. He's, he's, not, he's not scattered in pieces. He's everywhere always in his fullness. His manifest presence, however, is when God reveals his presence in such a way that his glory is made tangible. It is felt in our hearts and in our bodies. Sometimes it's visible. Sometimes it's audible. What we're talking about here is Moses in the tent of meeting the upper room in Acts where God just shows up and things change and things are different and his glory is made present and shown. Let's read uh, Psalm 27.4 one more time. <clears throat> one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So what's David talking about here, guys? Is he talking about going to church, going to a building? Yes, not necessarily. I don't know. (laughs) The Old Testament, you see a lot of ways that the Lord showed his presence. I mean, the burning bush, the pillars of fire and smoke. The thing that David wanted was the, the manifest presence of the Lord. He's not talking about here, hey, Lord, I want to experience your omnipresence. Like, we're always experiencing that. He's saying, I want this special manifestation of your glory to fall right now. I want to position myself in a place where I can experience this. I want to do my part to see to it that when your glory falls, I'm there to experience it. David's desire was to meet face-to-face with the Lord. Yes, he did that in the temple, but it's not about a building. And here's what I will say, like for us in this room, Jesus blew the door wide open for us. I don't have time to fully get into what happened there, but like, we can enter his presence anytime we want. Anytime he becomes our desire and we position ourselves to receive from him, we can enter his presence. Our desire drives us into action. Um, I'm going to use some negative examples to kind of make my point here, but like if you're a drug addict, you, you take steps and you take actions to see to it that your need gets met. If, you, if, you, if drugs are your one desire, there are things you have to do to obtain those drugs. Alcohol, sex, there, there are things you do to pursue that, that we're, okay, we're just, the world is okay saying, yeah, I can do that. And what I want to say to you in the positive is there are things we have to do to get on the, the path where this thing flows. There are things we, that have to be dealt with in order to position ourselves correctly to receive this manifest presence. Uh, Matt Chandler has a uh, a sermon called Under the Faucet. I really like that like picture of it. And he, he makes the case that God's manifest presence is like standing under a faucet and you want to be there when God turns it on and this overflow happens. This thing, th- these spiritual things don't happen via osmosis. Like, we don't have any problem in the world, you know, agreeing that, hey, steps need to be made to get this thing that I want. But for some reason with the spiritual things, we think that we just automatically, through osmosis, are in the presence of the Lord. And man, that, I think that does happen sometimes. Again, he shows up when he shows up. But there are things that we can do in our daily lives to place us under the faucet. And what I'll say is, the path of that is holiness. And the thing in the way is our sin and our pride. And so if we get on the path of holiness and get rid of our sin and our pride, we can enter his throne room. We can live in his presence. Um, King David had no problem with this. Psalm 51, 10, 11, he knew that he needed to, to deal with his sin. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Why? Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. That means that there are things that we can do in our life that draw us closer to his presence. And there are things that we can do in our life that draw us away from it. If we love our sin more than we love living in his presence, then we're choosing to step out from underneath that faucet I was talking about. So in order to live that holy life, you, we have to confess frequently and repent frequently. And then we celebrate our smallness, and we celebrate his bigness. Um, Crystal's going to talk a little bit about experiencing the presence.
1: Yeah. So he's gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. That's what, that's what he's desiring, to gaze upon your beauty. And it makes me think about the, um, the priestly blessing that Alex prayed over Tonda earlier, number six. Um, the light of the Lord's face shining upon him and David knew that blessing well he he grew up a, a child of Israel he would be familiar with hearing that priestly blessing and I just love that heart of grant me the favor of your face as we were preparing this week I learned that there's a joy center of the brain that is actually, like, activated by, like, when you're a child, when you're a baby, is activated by, like, the countenance of the caregiver, which was just amazing to me. It's just, like, I mean, we've got four kiddos, and there's just this really sweet thing of when your child's a baby, and, like... They could be like in with a whole group of people and then like mom or dad walks in and this like huge smile lights up. Hezekiah was doing that this week. I just love seeing that. There's just this automatic thing of like, there's my person. And David is connecting. It's like, grant me the favor favor of your face. I want to gaze upon your beauty. He's talking about the secret place. He's talking about this place of intimacy where he's... He is relating it to, yes, that was in the Old Testament. There's the days of, of the temple. There's the days of the Ark of the Covenant and where the, the presence of the Lord reside. And, you know, the manifest presence. But he's like, I want, I want this. I want face to face. And he grew up with these forefathers of his like Moses. And like Abraham and these men that he would have heard of who were friends of God that's what he called them he called these guys his friends and they met face to face it said and David's like this is my one desire to not just know of you but to intimately know you like I have studied your face I just want to be here and um. Just, it's, it's that sign of friendship. And actually one thing that as we were preparing this week that I just couldn't get away from, that I just loved was, you know, Moses is meeting in the tent of meeting and there's the pillar of smoke that's outside the door and the children of Israel are bowing down and worshiping. But at some point, you know, I'm sure it's going long and the rest of the crew like heads back to camp. But then there's Joshua, yeah, and he just lingers. Like the conversation wasn't even happening like to him specifically. It wasn't, he was meeting face to face with him there and he's getting the download from the Lord, but he knew, oh, the presence of God is moving in that tent. I wanna be right there. And he just would linger outside the tent. He just wanted to be near. Joshua was really not anybody at this point. But the Lord saw that, and you know this is is why God did make him Moses, Moses' successor. This is what made Joshua the guy that we learn about of Joshua in the battle of Jericho. And he leads them across the Jordan. He's just this great, mighty leader that we read about in the Old Testament. But his heart was a heart that longed to be in the presence of God. And that's the heart of David. He longs to be in the presence. That's, I mean, even in all the things, it just blows my mind, David was just as flesh and blood as the rest of us. And he blew it in some really incredible ways. He, He made some really big mistakes. And yet he died with the Lord still saying, this is a man after my own heart. Because he was literally after God's heart. That was his desire. His desire was to be with the Lord. And I think in all of that, like in all of these men's example, I just was stirred of like, God, I want want us to be a people who are hungry to know you to not just be a people who are content to just merely read about you, and or show up on Sunday morning and we do our thing and like that be enough. Like if your invitation is you wanna show up daily, like there's an invitation daily, guys. We live in the new covenant. The veil was torn when Christ rose, or when Christ died. And then when he rose again and he poured out his spirit, there if you are a born again child of god and the spirit's living inside of you we've got a daily invitation to sit down and be in his presence we can know him all of us can even if you're not a believer yet he's calling to you it's like i want to show you like it just blows my mind that we have that invitation to just sit and to be with him so anyways just to even give some context of this psalm that, that David has written. You know, it it's, sounds so nice. Like, yeah, my one desire is to be with you. But the context of this psalm is that David had just gotten word from his best friend Jonathan that Saul wants to kill him and that he needs to flee town. And he was going to be gone for seven years. And Samuel had already anointed him and declared that he was going to be the next king of Israel. But there was going to be seven years between that anointing and him actually having the crown on his head. And he was going to be hiding in the desert. He was headed out into the desert to hide. And he's saying, all I want is to be in your presence. He's not saying, God, change the situation. That blows my mind. He's like, I just want to be with you. And so he says, "'For he will conceal me in his shelter.'" This is verse five. "'For he will conceal me in his shelter "'in the day of adversity. "'He will hide me under the cover of his tent. "'He will set me high on a rock. "'Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. "'I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. "'I will sing and make music to the Lord.'" Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you, seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. It's just, God, I wanna have a heart like that. Our daughter, Ellie, um, she's our four year old. About six weeks ago, I had to take her to the ER And her and her sister were playing in the living room, and she fell back into the coffee table and split her head open. And there's blood and tears. And I call Alex, he had just left to go to a a meeting. And it's like, I gotta take her to the ER. He came back to watch the other kiddos, and I get her in the car. She had been crying, just, Is there gonna be shots? Like, what's gonna happen? She's just terrified. And I buckle her in the car, and we hadn't even pulled out of the driveway yet. And she goes, Mommy, can we turn on some music about Jesus? It's like, yeah. So I start turning on some songs about peace be still and you make me brave. And we're driving down to downtown Knoxville, and I just see her in the rearview mirror just with her hands up, and Jesus just worshiping. And she's singing these songs at the top of her lungs, and y'all, We go into the ER. That girl got stitched up and didn't even make a, she didn't even flinch. We got into that room and she put on her little hospital gown and she just had such a peaceful stillness about her. It was wild. She had this little grin on her face and she's talking to them as they're stitching up the back of her head. No tears, no fear. And it just ministered to me greatly. It just was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Her one, she knew, like, in the day of adversity, that's today, <laughs> I want to be with Jesus. She knew where to go. And it just made my heart just want to explode. It just was, yeah, girl, that's it. And I want that to be my response. Because here's what David knew. It's what Abraham knew, what Moses, Joshua, all these men who lived life communing in the presence of the Lord. He didn't need his circumstances to change in order to know deep peace and joy and satisfaction. All he needed was to dwell in the Lord's presence and seek his face, and that would be his strong tower. That would be his hiding place. And in those walls, he could be strong and courageous because he's seen the face of the one who loves him and who never abandons him. That's all he needed. I mean, that was Jesus going to the cross. Jesus in the garden. I mean, and he said it. He said, if there's any way, like, take this cup from me. This is hard But nevertheless, your will be done, and it was his joy set before him. Why? Because we are his joy. And he knew what was coming. He knew that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. He knew that he would pour out his Spirit on all flesh. He knew that, man, we were talking about this this morning. On our trip to Mexico, sitting and reading about him in the garden praying, and he prayed for you and I. He prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for all the believers that would come after them, and that we would be one with one another, and that we would be one with him as he is one with the Father and the Spirit. He wants deep, abiding communion with you. And if you taste and see, you will see that he is good. And that's the invitation he's too big to know all the ins and outs our life here on earth we get to just constantly be uncovering these new things about the lord graham cook talks about when a new adversity comes up it's a new opportunity for the lord to show himself anew to us like he says okay god there's this thing Who do you want to be for me now that I didn't see you as before? And that's been a perspective shift for me. It's just like there's this hard thing coming, but I want to see you. And I know you're faithful and true, and you'll see me through it. Yeah.
0: We have time for you to share another story if you want. (laughs) Are you done? I could share it. Yeah, I think you should.
1: This is really vulnerable for me. But God's good, He's faithful. I guess it would be about seven or eight months ago, it was the beginning of December. I had really just been struggling and just feeling at war within myself and coming up against Alex and coming up against the kids and just feeling really unsettled and just, I just felt really unsettled. Felt like I was constantly fighting with myself and that would just ricochet onto the people that I love around me in our home. There was one night that Alex went to go take our oldest son, Jonah, to basketball practice. And I had just had it up to here. It's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm being stubborn. And I'm not walking in your freedom and in your victory. And that's what's offered me in life with you and I finally got up and I turned on worship music and I just, I turned it up loud and I started repenting and I started to just worship in His presence just in my living room. And what's funny is that my daughters eventually came in And I watched them sing and twirl. And they're sing not even singing the song that's on. They're singing their own, just spontaneous worship to the Lord. Just singing about his goodness while this other song's playing. It was beautiful. At one point, Sophia's like, can I have crayons and paper? And she just starts drawing pictures of Jesus. She's like, I want to give these to everyone I know. Like, awesome. But I started to feel this thing lift. And... The songs that I put on, we sing some of them here, but the album by Rita Springer, Defender, it's just, that is a a battle cry victory just album to me. And it was exactly what I needed, just singing the truth of every battle is won in you, and you are my defender, and you come back with the head of my enemy, and I can trust in you. And I start singing these things. And what's wild is that it started to release. And I heard the Lord say, you need to go grab olive oil. And y'all, this is, this is, this is vulnerable. This is real. (laughs) The Lord had told me a couple months ago when this had first started of me feeling restless, I felt him telling me, you need to grab some oil. And I want you to bless your home. And anoint your home and I thought it sounded crazy and I shut it down I he said it multiple times throughout the two months and I kept pushing it aside and like that sounds so weird and once again in that moment he's like I want you to grab olive oil I was like what on earth okay so I go grab this giant Costco thing of olive oil I'm like pouring it all over my hand it's going all over the floor I'm like okay this feels so weird and he wanted me to go to each window and each doorpost in our home. I didn't even know what I was going to say. But what's crazy is that the Holy Spirit met me there in that moment. And he started praying for me and showing me. I went first to our garage door. Our laundry's in there. He was like, why do you go in and out of this door? He's like, it's to do your children's laundry, to do your family's laundry. He's like, I washed you whiter than snow. I made your filthy rags white as snow. Every time that you do this is an opportunity for you to present me to your family, to love them like I love you. took me out, because that wasn't from me. I didn't even know what I was doing. It's like, why am I grabbing this bottle of oil and going around my house? I don't even know what to say. And he started to speak these things. I went to our shoe closet. We've got this closet. It's our coat closet in the hallway and our kids shoes are in there and I opened it up and he said blessed are the feet of those who carry the good news I started sobbing it's like okay <laughs> it just the point is is that the spirit of God is waiting for our hearts to come before him anytime anywhere it's not just Sunday morning He's got things to show us all the time, that if we would just come and surrender, say, okay, God, just do it. (laughs) I'm sorry for holding back. I wanna know you more deeply. And the thing is, is that some of the most incredibly important, life-changing experiences with the Lord haven't even been on a Sunday morning. They've been in the privacy of my home. They've been in that secret place that David is talking about. Like, I have one desire, and it's to be with you. And when he shows up, it is just beyond what we can think or imagine. I was praying things that were not me. It's the Spirit of God, and it's precious and it's what's offered to each and every one of us. He loves us so much, and he's inviting us into that. And so, we're gonna, we're gonna worship. We've got a couple songs, Alex is gonna get prepared. But the very end of the, of the psalm, the very last verse of Psalm 27, after he's prayed all these things and he's declared these things to the Lord, even in the midst of him heading into the desert, he says, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. So we're going to do that. We're just going to give place to just be in his presence and exalt him And y'all can be anywhere in this room that you want to be. I just encourage you to just position your heart in this time. To hear from the Lord. To receive from him. And to carry that into your week. He's got things he wants to show you that will blow your mind. He's got things that he wants to speak over you and sing over you. He's always singing over us. But we can position our hearts and hear that song over us. And he loves you. And it changes the atmosphere and it changes our lives. So anyways, we're gonna worship.
0: this room Lord would you show us what we've been desiring outside of you Lord would you give us the eyes to see that and the heart to deal with that Lord I pray that we'd confess Lord that we'd repent but that we'd also celebrate today Lord that the the Lord of all the creator of the universe welcomes us and invites us into his presence have your way show us what it's like to live like King David did where his only desire his only goal was to live in your presence because he knew all our other good and godly desires when we make you our chief desire those other desires fall in line to your kingdom
1: and they become more of a
0: blessing to us Lord when we desire you more than we desire our wives or husbands, our marriages get blessed. Mm. When we desire you more than do we desire success, our careers get blessed. Yeah. Lord, just show us those things where we need to grow in trusting you. Lord, we just want to worship you. Again, like we started, we're here for you.